you are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. Welcome to the show. The interview subject that I have lined up for your listening pleasure is Mark Alexander Erber. Mark is the president and founder of Golden Robot Global Entertainment Group. As a part of his role, he looks after Golden Robot Records, touring and productions, and a bunch of subsidiary labels. Eagle-eyed, or perhaps eared, listeners will know that I recently featured a podcast episode dedicated to the music coming out of Mark's labels. To kick things off, I ask Mark a rather colourful question. It's a way for you to get to know him. So here he is, Mark Alexander Erber from Golden Robot Global Entertainment Group. So let me kick things off, okay? Yep. A young Jewish kid goes to Cranbrook, creates the country's most important and recognisable underground pub, which is the Iron Duke. You then go on to build a pub empire. Things don't necessarily go according to plan there, but you rebound. You've been in the tabloids due to a connection to Princess Mary of Denmark. You've owned a tattoo... You're going back a bit. <laughs> well, you've owned a tattoo parlour with a fellow who was called the lifeblood of the drugs industry of King's Cross during the 1995 Wood Royal Commission. You made the BRW Young Rich List in 2006 with a fortune listed at the time of $18.5 million. You've been an actor on Underbelly amongst many other shows. And now you've got Golden Robot Records and a variety of subsidiaries. So my question to open things... Mark, is when the hell's the movie coming out? Yeah, well, I'm actually writing a book at the moment. <laughs> and it's called One Too Many Clowns. <laughs> so <clears throat> a bit of a colourful introduction, but, um, yeah, I have to, I'll, I'll have to fill you up on a few things there, that the um, Young Rich List thing was correct, but that was six years in a row, not just one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> and that's, all, that's all I chased in when I was in my 30s and then I hit my 40s and it was the last thing I wanted to... Think about um, Pub Boy was fantastic. Pub Boy was about twelve years, um, and that it actually ended up fine. What was you, mate? You can never believe what's reported in the paper. It's all bullshit. Um, what what it ended up being reported in the paper was um, absolute rubbish. Um, I ended up actually running pubs for another three years after mm-hmm. the initial breakup of the company, and did did absolutely fine. Uh, yes, I've owned businesses in the cross. Had a very famous. Um, coffee shop called Kaluzzi there for a while um, and a few other things I did. Um, but, yeah, mate, don't, don't believe everything you read in the paper. It's all, uh, it's all, it's all bullshit. Um, as you say, I'm just a good Jewish boy from Vaucluse and, and now from Los <laughs> Angeles. So we, that went to school with Packer and everybody in, in, at Cranbrook. But, um, uh, you know, I've had, I've had a good life, man. I've, I've had a colourful life. I'm, um, you know, I've been married a few times and I've, mm-hmm. um, I'm very entrepreneurial. I... Um, um, you know, there's never been a time I've had to bounce back. I've just cruised along. Um, you know, making money is not the deciding factor for me. Um, creating is. I like to create. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to create things and, you know, falling into the record industry. I mean, I was always involved in um, the music side of things when I had the pubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had the Iron Duke there from 97 to 99 and that really became one of the top. I mean, people still talk about it today, certainly in the punk and hardcore scene. They talk about it. Um, it really is a, a, an incredible um, legacy. Um, but we went on to be involved in a lot of different pubs and a lot of different um, music venues. Um, and then I sort of took it easy for a while. And but getting back into the music industry um, because of my son, Jagger, who played drums at an early age and um, ended up on Australia's Got Talent. And when he popped out of that, we wanted to, you know, not let him be a novelty. We wanted him to make an album. And we got together with a few different people um, and um, he made an incredible album uh, with Mark Ward and Steve Balby and the boys. Steve um, Balby, nice. Yeah, yeah. Electric Hippies. And, um, electric Hippies. Noiseworks. Um, Noiseworks, et cetera. Mm. Yeah, good guy. Um, we ended up, well, they ended up making an album. Jagger was 10. And when they came out of the out, uh, came out of the studio, I gave them all a little golden robot, exactly like that, mm-hmm. um, just as a gift. And then when we were... Uh, shopping the album, nobody gave two shits about rock and roll. This is about 2014, 15. Yeah. Didn't give two shits. So I thought, fuck it, I'll do it myself. So this little fellow was sitting on the speaker and we said, well, let's call it Golden Robot Records. 
So that's how it started. So it started with one band being Jagger and Steve's band Moon. And then, um, you know, it took its own course. And I spent a lot of time in America and hooked up with different people in America and got introduced to other people. And, um, you know, in, in the early days, it was all trial and error. Um, did I do deals that were too expensive? Yes. Did I get ripped off? Yes. Um, did some deals turn to shit? Yes. Um, but it was all learning. Um, did some fantastic things come out of it? Absolutely. You know, working with um, Rose Tattoo, who we still work with, um, Super Jesus, uh, uh, early days we signed the Choir Boys, um, you know, all these fantastic bands, My Sex, we did an album with My Sex. Nice. Yeah. All these great um, bands in the early days. And then we sort of started signing bigger bands in America. And then since then, man, it's just about, you know, getting out. All, all it was about in the beginning was marketing and PR. It's fine to put an album out, but you've got to make sure you've got the right PR and marketing behind it. So we worked very hard to get the right teams around the world, the right distribution, physical and digital around the world, and then get involved with the right people. <clears throat> and we've got some fantastic stuff we've dealt with. I mean, you know, just look at my wall. I mean, you know, we did the remastered, reissued Mark of Cain Battlestick. We did a, a solo album with Steve Kilby. I've done Dizzy Reed's album out of Guns N' Roses. Mm -hmm. um, Kilby Clark's new album we just did from... Um, you know, X Guns and Roses. We deal with Frank Farrar, Guns and Roses, um, guys from Quiet Right. We really have our fingers in, in, in a lot of pies. And we're doing something like 10 to 15 releases a week, 360 bands and 10 labels. And there's still people in Australia that have never heard of us. So it's quite cool in a way. You know, I, I just do what I do, especially we do it overseas. Yeah, we've got Aussie bands, but we really do it overseas. And we're better known in America and Europe than we are here. And I quite like that because there's such a tall poppy syndrome here and it's such a small industry here. And, um, you know, there's some really good people in the Australian music industry, but there's also a bunch of what there's a bunch of wallies. Yep. So that, um, you know, I think their shit doesn't stink. And I, I'm too old for it, man. I just want to do my thing. I'm 53 on Friday. Um, I'm very happy nice. with where I sit and thank you and what I've created. And I've got some incredible staff, incredible bands. I've got some bands on the roster that, you know, Dangerine's out of Montreal, the Crooks out of the UK. And, I mean, these bands could be the next biggest thing. Um, we're really backing rock and roll, really backing rock and roll, and it's very, very exciting. You are backing it because you've got the future on the roster, but you've also got some incredible artists from the past. And there's a couple that I'm going to single out. The first of which is Johnny Thunders, who passed away in either the late, late, late 80s or the early 90s. I can't recall one of the two, but I think I remember when he did. And mm. Personality Crisis is a killer cut. And I made that yeah. point on the podcast episode that I put together featuring your artists. That, And I want to thank you for that. That was a, a really cool thing to do, you know, and that's what obviously put us together. But I really like the fact that you put a whole episode behind and, and, and put a playlist together because what you're doing isn't being done in Australia. You're supporting, uh, yes, we're an international record label, but we're Aussies, and you're supporting that um, in the way you can. And that's super cool, man. I, you know, we, we, we signed a band this week, um, a fucking huge band called Filter. And yeah, Richard Patrick. It was... Yeah, it was fucking everywhere. It was on, um, you know, from Blabbermouth to every single blog in America, every single blog in Europe. I counted hundreds and hundreds of them. And in Australia, I think it hit four. Um, music Network's great here. Um, I really like the people at the Music Network. But they're the only ones that covered it. And everyone else just talks about the same boring, boring shit. Mm. And I appreciate someone like you that stands up and um, says, no, I really like what these guys are doing and you're going to support it in the way that you can. And that's by talking about it and doing a playlist and, and showing the variety of what we're doing. And it's interesting because when people really see what we've created and what we're doing, they go, fuck, how didn't I know about this? Yeah. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. But I, 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 I digress. Johnny Thunders. And I'll tell you how Johnny Thunders happens. We um, have got this really cool way that we... Um, uh, get involved with other labels where we'll find a label that has got a good name for itself, but it needs to get to the next level. It needs distribution or better distribution. It needs PR, it needs marketing. It needs our machine behind it. Mm -hmm. And then we take a percentage in the label, they run it and we, we back them with whatever we need, whatever they need, whether it's legals or money or et cetera, et cetera. 
and we um, forged a relationship about a year and a half ago with a great label in San Francisco called Die Laughing Records. Mm -hmm. And Dave Dalton, who um, is the owner um, with um, Gillian and, and Rob, um, he's very well connected. He's in the, in the Screaming Bloody Marys. He's actually become an artist on Golden Robot as well. But he's been in Cell Block 5 and Screaming Bloody Marys and all these great fans, his best mates, um, uh, East Bay Ray, Out of the Dead Kennedys, nice. et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So we're doing some really, really cool stuff with them. We're doing a new Silverhead vinyl um, featuring Michael DeBars, and he was the contact that put together the Johnny Thunders deal. Um, it was it started one way, and then it ended up being something else um, through the estate. But it was a very it's it's been great to be involved in something like that. I mean, how fucking super cool is that you can come to work and put out a, a Nick Barker single, and then the next minute you're doing a yeah. Johnny Thunder single um, or talking to Richard Patrick from Filter. I mean, it's just wonderful to be involved in these kind of things. You're, you're, you're a rock and metal fan who has decided to take your appreciation of the genre to the next level. So I guess I'm going to go back a bit because... We mentioned the Iron Duke, and for me, that's where I got. That's where I remember your name. I'll never forget picking yeah. up Drum Media or Time Off, yeah. and reading yeah. reading constantly about these killer bands that were going yeah. and performing at the Iron Duke. But just so as though people listening have some understanding and awareness, okay, you hosted the first Deftones show in Australia, yeah. where I'm reliably informed three, three, three. Well, there you go, uh, three shows. But that's one of those gigs where. A whole bunch of people said that they were at that weren't. You know what I mean? Like the Nirvana thing. Like, yeah, I was at that. He's like, no, you weren't. Because no. I, rem I remember, I distinctly remember it was 90, 98 because you had Deftones and Vision of Disorder, I think, one week yeah. after another. Does that, does that ring a bell? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I was sick as a dog. Okay. And I was living in Sydney at the time and I could not go to either one of them. Vision of Disorder, I've got to say, is still, I think, one of the best metallic hardcore bands of all time. But you, yeah. you, the point is, you, you're a pioneer from the perspective that where the hell else were these bands going to play if they didn't have that draw of playing in Australia's biggest city at a pub like that? Where where would Skin Lab have played? Where the hell would the hardcore Super Bowls have been hosted? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So the Iron the Iron Duke is iconic, and and like I said, and I meant it up top, it, it is. As far as I'm concerned, the most important and recognisable underground pub in the country. So, sh surely to goodness, you you feel some of that legacy. Do you? Do you feel that when people talk to you, they bring up the Iron Duke a fair bit? Yeah. Look, I think we're ahead of the game because I've always had this incredible passion for music. It's still the same. Everything to me starts and ends with Led Zeppelin. I've always been a massive Zeppelin fan, mm. and I love collecting first pressings. You know, I've got a. Zeppelin, Stones, Who, Bowie, all that kind of stuff. Um, great first pressing collection. I also collect a lot of memorabilia. So I've always been a mad music guy. And then to have a son that ends up being one of the best drummers ever. He's a fucking amazing drummer. Um, it was sort of my calling to get back into the music scene. Mm. But but ultimately, yeah, I, 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 I'm very proud of the, the, the legacy from um, uh, the Iron Duke. I think that we, we, we set out to create something special there. And, you know, there was a period there in Australia that we were really leading the pack. Yeah. But the Avondale closed down. They couldn't compete. Um, and we were getting a particular scene. Uh, we, were, we were absolutely nailing it. I was a bit ahead of... I was probably ahead of my time in the suburb. There was really nobody else out in the suburb. You know, we were in Alexandria. Mm. So, you know, we used to... We used to say we had a courtesy bus which we actually didn't. Um, I think we had it for one month out of 12. Yeah, yeah. And they'd say, oh, we're going to get the courtesy bus. Um, yeah, it'll be here in a minute. It'll be here in a minute. It never turned up. Um, so the big the big uh, courtesy bus sham. But, um, look, it was good, man. We, you know, I remember we had the helicopters and, as you said, the Deftones and Fu Manchu and um, Magic Dirt and Silverchair in some sort of way played there. And it was just... It was a really cool venue and it had really cool staff and it was a really cool setup. And I remember one one night, I don't know what it was, who was playing, but I remember standing over the road because McDonald's was opposite and looking across and it was so packed and so busy that you could see the steam come out wow. um, from underneath the awning. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it was quite amazing. Um, it was quite amazing. I, yeah, I was... Uh, 
uh, I'm pretty chuffed when people still talk about the Iron Duke. And, you know, we're doing the same thing with Golden Robot. I mean, Golden Robot, if I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, fuck, it's just like Interscope was, you know, where, oh, yeah. he, where yeah. he had Jimmy Iovine had um, Nine Inch Nails next to Julio, um, uh, Enrique Suave, um, et cetera, et cetera, where we've got, you know, that similar kind of vibe where you've got, you know, Riley's LA Guns next to Vanilla Fudge, next to the Crooks, next to the Jailbirds, next to this, next to that. It's a really, you know, next to Elephants. It's a really cool vibe. And then that breaks off into the other labels. Um, so it, it's exciting, man. It's, a, you know, I, I just love what we do. And you either get it or you don't. And I think... We do things are a bit different, you know, like we're doing our own podcasts. I'm doing my own robot rant. We're doing things to promote all the time in marketing um, and market the bands or market the label or whatever. It all helps, you know, sell streams and sell vinyls and sell CDs yeah. for the artists. Yeah. So we're trying to do something different. You've got some killer new acts, though, too. So you do have some legacy sounds on there, such as Johnny Thunders and even Jizzy Pearl yeah. and uh, the Hollywood stars. But uh, probably the best new rock there's two on your lap, maybe three, but Beastwood and Stone Trip. Oh, it's that Stone Trip cut, Runaway. When I heard that, I was like, I'm a huge Caius head. And uh, yeah. a cross between Caius and Alice in Chains with a bit of that Soundgarden chorus sort of thing going on there. But uh, Beastwood too with Electric Gangbang. Holy shit, they're bringing it. Yeah, so, Well, that was, that was, again, you know, having the faith in other people that are on part of, part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I love the band called Stone Death. And Stone Deaf, the three boys in Stone Deaf owned Coffin and Bolt Records and they needed that machine behind them and we did a deal. And so they found Beastwood um, and, 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 and um, uh, they're on the label and, and Lost Relics and all these fantastic bands. And so it's a really interesting way we're doing things where if we're, if we're involved with someone like Die Laughing or like um, Coffin and Bolt, um, they're finding those bands and we're backing them on those bands. So it's like a whole lot of more eyes and ears out there trying to find yeah. things. And, um, and you know, like with this little robot rant I'm doing at the moment, we're using a theme, a song from each band at the beginning, which helps promote the band again. But I agree. I mean, Stone Trip is another great Aussie band that came to me through a friend of mine in Melbourne mm. and she called me. She's a big fan down in Melbourne and, um, Kim and she called me and she said, You've got to listen to this band. And I listened to it and it didn't resonate with me straight away. And then I, because what I do is I download something, I put it on my computer, I put it on my phone, I put it in my car. But then after a couple of listens, I went, Oh, fuck, what is this? Because yeah. I let it play and then I've got digital radio here as well. And I go, What is that? And it was Stone Trip. And I thought, Oh, I really like these guys. And it, it caught me because, I mean, we're getting two to 300 demos a week. One of the fastest growing departments we've got, you know, we've just opened, we've got a production department, we've got a whole lot of different things, artwork now, is our A&R team. Just to keep up with the flow and spreadsheet what we're getting because you don't want to miss something that's unbelievable. You know, you, you obviously you get stuff that 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 isn't going to suit the, the labels, but you do get stuff that um, is incredible and you want to talk to the band. And even if it's something that's not right, we want to answer back every single demo. We want to make sure we go back and say, look, it's not right now, but this is what we suggest, et cetera, et cetera. I never want to be a label that you can't contact and I never want to be a label that you can't speak to and I never want to be a label that doesn't have that communication because that's bullshit. Some of these, and that was the one thing, and I, I, I bounce back and forth, but I'll tell you one thing about COVID mm-hmm. that was worked, it really got rid of the arrogance in the Australian music industry, because I can tell you what, mate, there was a fucking lot of arrogant um, uh, promoters out there that, you know, we're kicking ass all around the world and they won't even answer back a phone call. I mean, what the fuck is that? We're trying to do the right thing by bands and we're trying to work together. They answer the phone calls now. But back then, mate, there was some fucking attitudes floating around that, that have completely been corrected with COVID. And, you know, we're all in this together. We're all trying to do the right thing. I'm not, you know, trying to steal your girlfriend. We're trying to promote a band and, and do the right thing. And, and at the end of the day, um, I think we're all in a really great position. There's some fantastic companies working here, but, you know, there's, there's a level of um, camaraderie that needs to grow a little bit more, I reckon. Yeah, I 100% agree on that point, actually. The, t- the tall poppy thing is just so bizarre here in Australia. To give you an, uh, to give you an idea, you probably find this with, with what you're doing with the labels, but my audience share is growing 
but it's only growing yeah. internationally. My domestic share is shrinking. And yeah. there doesn't seem to be a lot that I can do about it. I don't feel I can do any more than what I'm doing being an indie podcaster, bringing yeah. guys like Eric Rutan and Dino Kaziris and these people and then yeah. playing great stuff like what you're doing here with the label. But it's it just seems like Australians are obsessed with shit that comes from overseas rather mm. than supporting our own. And 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 I've even felt it. I've got to got to be frank here, mate. I've even felt it with some of the bands that I've interviewed, some of the comments that I've read online afterwards, the shit talk that happens, and it's like, for God's sakes, we're actually trying to help each other here, guys. Mate, I did a robot rant. It comes out tomorrow at twelve o'clock, mm. right? Um, Wednesday, and I did. I talk about trolls because, like, we talked about filter. So filter um, just was announced. And, I, and Richard put it up on his thing. We put it up on ours. And, and you go on to blabbermouth. Or you go, some people are just out of their fucking minds. Yeah. Like, what are they talking about? They come on there and they talk absolute rubbish. I saw one guy up there saying, oh, Golden Robot Records, they don't release anything. And I, and I looked at it and I went, are you kidding? We've got like 15 or 20 releases a week. Mm. So they make these stupid comments and then they'll – have a go at Richard and then they'll have a go at this and they'll have a go at that. It's just negative bullshit. And I've actually got, I'm actually talking about it tomorrow. It's about, you know, I will see the same thing. Oh, you know, what happened with Skid Row and what happened with King's X? And it's like, well, mate, we had the deals. They weren't the right for us. The money wasn't right. We all parted ways. We all hugged and we all moved on. And when their albums are ready, they'll come out. But it, it, just because you part ways with someone in this industry doesn't ne- mean that it's negative. Mm. Just because you part ways doesn't mean it's it's um, something bad happened at all. I spoke to Snake the other day from Skid Row. His manager is the same manager as LA Guns and Jefferson Starship. It's it's it, there's no dramas. People like to create this bullshit drama on 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 the internet, and they like to just give shit to. Anyone that's trying to give it a go. In Australia, it's a fucking sport. And that's why I align myself with people like you because for absolutely no incentive to you, you went and supported what we were doing. So you have me for life now. And what my contacts are your contacts and my bands are your bands. And any band that I have that you want to interview, I will make sure to the best of my ability that that'll happen because you showed us the support. So that's the kind of network we want and that's the kind of network that we work in. But unfortunately, it's far and few between in Australia. And, you know, I can sell, um, uh, you know, when when the LA Guns album came out, I can't even begin to tell you how many vinyls sold. It was unbelievable. But the bulk of it is overseas Mm. and the bulk of the business is overseas. And as much as I'm supporting the Stone Trip or Cicada Stone or the Mercy Kills, um, et cetera, et cetera, or or any of these great Australian bands, um, and we have some fantastic Australian bands, anytime you try to support them on a local level, um, you know, you're up against that 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 population issue where there's just not that many people here that are into it. But you go, to, you can make more money going to Germany, where our major distribution comes out of, than you can in the whole of Australia. That's just life. That's just the way that it is. Mm. But I'm happy to support it here. I just don't want to cop shit over it. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm the same. Look, I've got to say, for the most part, I get. I used to get, you know, five or six requests every fortnight to appear on the show and I just stopped answering them because it, and from the perspective that you just, you just get sick of reading the comments after the fact when you've done the interview. And I mean, these are bands that I've never heard of before that have got like a hundred or 200 likes on Facebook, that sort of thing. Yeah. But you want to, you want to be, and and you've alluded to it, the spirit of reciprocity, that brotherhood and the sisterhood that should exist. It's, It's not just a music industry thing. We live in what I feel is the greatest country in the world from the perspective that you can raise kids here, you can get a job yes. fairly easily here, nobody's knocking yes. on your door in the middle of the night like my father-in-law yes. in Croatia trying to kill him, yes. this sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, we, we live in a part of the world where, man, we don't have to do much work to, to have a pretty decent life. So on that on that basis and with that spirit, shouldn't we be look at, looking at how we can support artists, athletes, you no doubt you're an NRL fan like what I am, or even even worse, super rugby. Have a look at how much shit our super rugby players cop these days, given the drubbings yeah. that they're going yeah. through at the moment. Yeah. It's it's just this tall poppy thing that goes on. And I wouldn't blame you as a businessman at all, Mark, for giving up on the territory. Look, it, I, I would look, there's one thing about COVID that's that I've learned. 
that, you know, I was living in Los Angeles most of the time and I got out just before it all happened and mm. Sydney is definitely the best place to, to live. It's safe. There's no terrorists. And, um, there's a few idiots, but other than that, it's fine. Mm. Um, I'm in my own little area, my own little zone. I've got no problems. The, the issue is you're up against people that are too quick to have a comment, too quick to say something. So, you know, I'm old school, man. I say to my artists before we sign them, look, being an Aussie, it means we're transparent, we're upfront because they're used to hearing shit from all over the world. Mm. If we fuck something up, we'll apologise and we'll fix it. If we do something well, we'll celebrate it with you. But I'm, as I said, I'm old school. If you have a problem with me, give me a call. If you've got a problem with me, email me. If you've got a problem with me, let me know where you want me to meet and we'll, we'll have a chat. You know what I mean? I mean, I sit there and I box every single day because to, to get, you know, to, to, to feel as, mm. to, sometimes you just got to get that aggression out and, and it's good for you, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Mate, if, if, if you've really got a problem with someone, you know, give us a call. Let's go and sort it out. Let's go have a coffee. Let's have a beer, right? If you really feel like strong, that strongly about something we've done that you're not happy about, let's get in the ring. You know what I mean? Like Axel said all those years ago, <laughs> let's get in the ring. You know, I just don't know what's wrong with people. It's It's... It's it's um it's getting worse. And I said in this rant that comes out tomorrow that what worries me as a father, and I've got a daughter who's 15, and I've got two stepdaughters that are under 13. What about these bullies and everybody that's online that they they assassinate the young girls or the young guys and they haven't got the mental fortitude to handle it. They haven't got the I've been around that, I've seen it all, I've done it all. Um, you know, as I said, it'll all be in the book. Um and I, I, don't, I don't give a fuck what someone says. I don't give a shit who's calling. People are just absolutely, anyone that's negative, I've got no time for. It, it's like a water off a duck's back. I really don't give two shits. But these young people are impressionable mm. and it really worries me what they're growing up, what they're growing into with this world because, you know, there's people obviously hurting themselves and committing suicide and all this awful stuff that's going on, that worries me about the world, not what's happening to me or us. That's worrying me for the younger people, but that, that's a whole other episode. So I just wish the people that are writing negative things in whatever way they're doing it really pull their head in. But, you know, as you know, Andrew, it ain't going to happen, not on our watch anyway. No, no, it's... it's I, I, yeah, your philosophy is very similar to mine, actually. It's just we're going to do what we do because we want to do it. And fuck the haters. Simple as yeah, that. I, and and I just, I yeah, there's no, I, I've got a I pretty much got a rule with the podcast and I don't get too much shit. It's, it, as I say, ironically, it's from local Aussies, um, never anybody overseas. And I know that because I go and have a look at the profile as best as you yeah. possibly can. Yeah. Um, but let, let me change tack for a moment because I, I want to understand something um, about your rock and roll philosophy because at this point in time, you could pretty much sign anybody. You'd have a good chance of signing anybody you want in rock music because it's just so far on the outer at this point in time. The rock, rock and roll hall of fame wankers have come out and said, "You rock music fans who are hating on us for not putting Iron Maiden in, we're going to put in Jay Z. You've just got to expand your thinking." They're basically saying rock music is dead, and we're just focusing all our attention on urban music and the like. But you're not. You're flying the flag. So it's not a question of why, but it's. The how. So the rock and roll philosophy, why do you sign artists and how do you go about, say, bringing them to people? Well, I think there's three different kinds of acts that we sign. We sign, you know, a household name. And, I, you know, we've got so many acts now. I've got to, I've got to you know, bring up the, the website. Our website is like our calling card. It's always up to date. Mm. Catalog is always up to date, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we've got some great names, you know, the Phil X's, Vanilla Fudges, Hurricane Number 1, Hardcore Superstar, Elephants, Riley's LA Guns, Filter Gilby, et cetera, et cetera. The Answer, Jefferson Starship. They're all known, right? And they're known by somebody. Mm. Maybe they're not known by everybody, but they're known by somebody. Um, although there is people in the world that have never heard of Guns N' Roses or U2. So, you know, not everyone's heard of everyone. But there is that that thick upper level of bands that we will sign. Um, I won't sign anybody unless I truly believe in their ethos, their music, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, they're people that we sign that we know are going to sell albums. Let's, let's call it what it is. They're going to sell music and they're good artists. Then you've got the middle rung artists i'm not saying they're below that i'm just comparing it or next to it you've got bands that could be the next big thing 
that have maybe had an EP out or a single out or an album out um, that could actually click over and be fucking world beaters. And people say to me all the time, you sign a lot of bands. I said, it's like a, it's like a crap shoot. It's like a, yeah. um, you're at a a, 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 a table at the casino. I'm not a gambler, but you, um, what's it called? Roulette. Blackjack. Blackjack. Okay. Roulette. Roulette. Roulette's even better. And instead of putting, you know, $10 on one artist or on one number, you're putting a dollar on each one. And um, um, that's not what we're spending, but I'm saying you, you, you're spreading the risk. Sure. You're, yeah. you're mitigating the risk and you're spreading the money out um, because one of those will take off. And I say to my guys all the time, and we are seeing that someone will take off and people are taking off. And mate, we're getting number ones around the world. We're selling albums and people don't know what we're doing. And I love that to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, bands like, um, uh, and I don't want to keep mentioning them because I don't want to miss anyone, but... Um, you know, Dangerines um, uh, or uh, Wild Street or Ashen Moon with Gary Beers. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, and it's one of the best albums I've heard in a long time. You can't get the fucking thing on the radio here. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I'll hear, I'll, I'll hear um, the choir boys on Triple M, but Run the only way they'll interview them on Triple M <laughs> on Aussie Homegrown, but they won't play the track. Yeah. They'll just play it behind the interview. I mean, what's going on? It's unbelievable. Um, and you know you've got these all these other great bands that are coming, Honey Motel and Graces Collide, Scuttlers out of the UK, Crooks out of the UK, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Them Guns. It's got um, Priscilla Presley's son in it. So you've got this this great influx of rock bands that any one of them could take off. Any one of them could be the next Foo Fighters or U2 or Guns N' Roses. People say to me all the time, "Oh, those days are gone. You'll never sell forty million albums." It's like, are they, or are we just riding a wave? And I don't believe that rock and roll's gone. Um, some people say, oh, it's it's taking a break, or some people say it's hiding or it's gone underground. It's always there. It's always there. It's just what's popular at the time. And I'm telling you, there's some incredible bands that are riding a wave that will end up being absolutely massive. And then you've got the third type of bands, and they're love bands. They're things I do that I, I mean, it's, I'm not driven by the money. I don't give a fuck about that. I'm driven by the creativity and doing something. Mm. So where you've got the brand names that'll sell albums and then you've got the bands coming through that next could be the next big things. Like then we get involved in things that I just fucking love. Like Rose Tattoo, we're just about to release that, um, uh, uh, another vinyl for them. Um, Blood Brothers, a limited edition vinyl, or was Mark of Cain, or we've got the back catalogue that we're about to launch for Stuart Cunningham that was in Asteroid B612, Lead Finger, Proton Energy Pills, Lead, uh, Yes Men. I mean, such cool stuff. We've got the whole back catalogue of Nick Barker, one of the best songwriters in the country. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Johnny Casino, Asteroid B612, and all his great bands. We've got some really cool stuff that we're involved with, and they love projects. They're about doing things that we absolutely just love. And, you know, there's bands in Australia like the Mercy Cures, et cetera, um, like Stone Trip and, and Cicada Stone, et cetera, that we'll spend more and more time with. We just signed a band. We haven't announced it yet, but I'll tell you, we just signed a great band called Mammoth Mammoth out of Melbourne mm -hmm. um, that were with um, an international label for 10 years and have just come out and we're, we're taking them on now. Um, so there's some really cool bands coming through the rosters. And if you look at Crusader, um, with what we've built with Crusader. Again, equally as as fantastic bands and there's some real international supergroups on there. So, look, it's exciting, man. It's it's we, we sign people for different things and we look for different things from each artist. We've hit the spot on, on many occasions. It just depends on whether or not you get support. And here's the key, the key issue, mainstream support. So you mentioned Triple M there who have more or less become the golden oldies station these days with a few select hours here and there where they play new music. But it, it's, it, they're, they're, just, they're safe. They're just they're playing it safe and that's what their audience wants. So I don't blame them and I don't have a problem with it. We actually get a lot of love from the the, the heavy, you know, the, the triple M yeah. heavy and hard, I think it's called. Yep. Um, they're playing Shotgun Mistress all the time and they're playing a lot of those bands from Melbourne uh, all the time. So I think that... We, we get that support, but and I don't blame them for the way they are. But there's no one taking, um, there's no one taking risks anymore. There's no one out there anymore saying, you know, championing a new band yep. that they really like. It's more about what their audience likes, not what the producers or the the people that are picking the songs 
they're not saying, hey, this is the next big thing. They're not, they're not being the right tastemakers. They're being influenced by the wrong, the wrong side of things. That's my vibe on it. Yeah, it's interesting. I play in a covers band and uh, we'd love to play some, some Stones or what have you, but uh, we end up playing Van Morrison's uh, Brown Eyed Girl. And I, and I see people running from the bar to go to the dance floor to, to, to yeah. not even dance, but just go, go mental it. over it. And yeah. we, we've got this thing. I'm sure it's the same overseas too, by the way, but uh, they'd rather hear Journeys Don't Stop Believing than even dip a toe into some new material. And yeah. uh, it, it is about someone taking the risk on board, isn't it? But I, I mean, I used to broadcast the four triple Z. All, all new music and all interviews. Some some of them, I think, were, were some of the stuff that came through you guys that I put up there as well. But I mean, it's really it really does come down to. I mean, I've got to say, we're on the margins though, being podcasters and and play, and broadcasting on community radio. We would probably have a couple of. I know how I've got a couple of thousand listeners per per uh, episode, but they're spread all out, out all over the world. You need that that concentrated, I guess, that integrated vertical marketing setup where you've got different channels that are sort of doing the same thing and you can sort of do A and B testing in different markets, but it doesn't work like yeah. that now, does it? Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And that's why, to be honest, I take matters into my own hands. Um, if I want to put a, an article out and it's not going to, it'll be picked up overseas, but it's not picked up in Australia, I'll just do my own podcast or I'll do my own robot rant or I'll do seven minute max. I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll just do it myself. So I'll just create the market myself and put it out there myself which is why we've started a production division because we will just push it out and do what we need to do and someone will pick up on it rather than waiting for someone else to write about us we'll just write it about it ourselves i think that's a new way going yeah. forward i mean i've always been entrepreneurial anyway but you know you and i will do a radio station and play our music you're you're doing it now mm. so you know and 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 by having the allegiance together it means you know we'll give you the music and we'll give you what's going on and you'll put it out there and people will listen to it and like it and it'll it'll grow that's how these radio stations grow so grew i just don't think we can rely on anyone but ourselves and i think that's what it comes so down true. to it yeah it come, having an old school um, label, you can't rely on anyone but yourselves. You've got to be completely self-sufficient. And that's why we do everything we do in-house. Mm. And when I see someone that supports us like you do or, or, or you know, another thousand people around the world that do the right thing by us, we'll align ourselves with them and then they've got us for life. Sweet. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic, though, that, that honour system that you're working with. Old school. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's like we've talked about it a lot, but it's just... And that's why I said to you before, if we fuck something up or we do something wrong and you've got a problem, come and speak to me. Mm. I mean, I, I, I've had bands, there's been out of a whole roster, there's probably been two or three bands that have left the label because their expectations were wrong. I had one band, mate, they were brand new. They got 400 articles and they got hundreds of thousands of streams, but they weren't happy. It's like, fucking hell, like, what do you want? What do you expect? It's selling. People are talking about you. What, what more? You know, you've got to get out of the 90s. You've got to get out of the 80s. This is not the way that it works in 2021, 2022. So you you part ways and then people look at it. Oh, what went wrong there? That you golden robot must have fucked up. You know, that whole tall poppy thing. We didn't fuck up at all. We actually did the right thing. Mm. And we spent money and we never recouped it. But we got the band to where they wanted to be. But they didn't realise it. But they will eventually. Mm. You know, and that's just the way that we do it. It doesn't worry me. It's just if you're not having those expectations leveled going in, um, look, this is the issue with some of the, the, the older bands that have been around. Some of these guys, you know, someone said to me the other day, they quoted me an original deal they did in the UK in the 90s where they were getting paid for a year to go into the studio. And I that was through Creation Records. And, you know, Alan... Fucking signed some amazing bands, including Oasis, and said, it's not fucking 1994, mate. It's 2021. That shit doesn't happen anymore. It hasn't for a long time. I remember signing Little Caesar and um, Ron telling me in LA one time that they made an album for Geffen for $1.5 million. $1.5 million, mate. Yeah. And Geffen said, well, we don't like that. Go back in. <laughs> like, can you imagine that today? Right? Can you imagine that today? Things have changed. Things have changed big time. And and you've got to flow with that. And I think that's the one good thing about us is we can pivot. 
we see, as Chris yeah. Murphy said from NXS, if we see a crack in the wall, we'll drive a truck through it. So, you know, there's, there's, there's no issue there, but you've got to be realistic of what you can achieve. And it takes me back to what I said before. Do you think you can sell 45 million copies of Back in Black today? I actually think you can, but it's just going to be sold a bit differently. People say, oh, uh, someone said to me the other day, let's put the vinyl out and then when it sells out, we'll put it on digital. I said, no, it doesn't work like that. You've got to get the digital out there because that's going to capture people that you didn't think you could ever go to. You're going to capture the 19-year-old kid in Botswana or, or, or the, the 24-year-old girl in Israel or um, the guy in New York that you want as your fan. This is what you can do now. Use it to your advantage. Sure, you're not going to make the money that you will off a of vinyl, but it will add up yeah. eventually and you're getting a, a greater audience. Use it to your advantage, which is why we just brought on a full-time digital marketer to work with our other digital marketing people. You just got to keep rolling with it. You got to keep doing what you do, which goes back to what we were saying before. People that hate on you have no fucking idea. <laughs> they just don't. They haven't got a clue what's going on. How, how do you recruit people then? I mean, you, you, you're a go-getter. You're charismatic. Uh, you no doubt have incredibly a lot of, handsome. incredibly handsome. You no doubt have uh, a lot of leadership qualities, given your, uh, your your ventures there into the Iron Duke and Pub Boy. And of course, everything else that you've done up till now, Golden Robot Records. Yeah. What do you look for in somebody, though, to, that you that is on your books that's working for you? You know what, man? You can say, I can say passion and honesty and integrity. But you know what? Just one thing I look for, one thing and one thing only, loyalty. It's all I give a fuck about is loyalty. Mm that people are loyal to what we're doing and loyal to me and loyal to the company. That's all I care about. And I've got people with me that have been with me for years. Um, you know, Lee's been with me two or three years. Nadia's been with me for five years. Um, Pip, who's um, just come back, she was an intern and just come back. Um, other people that have left recently were with me for three years but have got other jobs and other labels and, you know, they soon realised how good it was at Golden Robot. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of people working with us around the world. And I'm, I'm very excited to have that, um, uh, to have these incredible people. Because really, at the end of the day, I can be as charismatic as you want me to be and I can be as, as have all these leadership qualities, as you say, and I do and I enjoy that, but you've got to have the right staff. Mm, yep. You've got to have the right people working for you. And we've had a few um, people that have come and gone. Absolutely, that's just life. That's just the way that it, that it works. But I've, I've, got, I've had this real loyal staff. So I can tell you one thing, man. You know, people can say what they want about whoever they want to say it about. But I can tell you through the whole of COVID and the whole of that um, one-year period um, during 2020, my staff every single week were paid on time. And when we came time to hold up for holidays, we paid them for eight weeks in advance. Now, that's something I'm proud of because I know that it wasn't that easy for people. And if I had to dip my hand in my own pocket during those times or I had to do whatever I had to do, I did whatever I had to do to make sure my staff were always okay for the entire period, that whole year. And I'm really proud of that. And, I, and I'm not saying that the people that didn't survive during COVID are any less. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying what I could do for my staff I'm really proud of. That was what I was in control of. Mm. You know, yeah. and, and look, obviously, in a normal way, they get paid. There's no problem. But during that period when it was so tough for everybody around the world, I didn't want my staff to worry about anything because they were, oh, what's going to happen here? The whole world's falling apart. There was a lot of unknowns. So I wanted to make sure that they all felt that their jobs were 1,000% secure no matter what happened. And the way you prove that, that, that you reward that loyalty is making sure that I uphold my end of the bargain and the company does that as well. So I'm really proud, super proud of that. Yeah, sweet, yeah. Well, with with those these loyal people on board and with the vision that you've got, have you thought about going for the full vertical integration and putting on shows and tours yourself? Absolutely. Golden Robot Touring is already up and running. Uh -huh. um, we're going to... I'm just waiting to see what happens with the... Um, quarantine yeah um like for example i don't even know how they're going to do guns and roses in november when what access going to sit in the hotel room sydney? for two weeks yeah well that's what yeah, maybe like kings I'm... of leon are going to have to do as well because they're coming out yeah yeah so i'm just waiting to see what happens but uh we've got heaps of bands that want to come out from riley's la guns to i'd love filter to come out here gilby with hookers and blow um 
like hookers and blow Gilby and Pisser. Yep. I mean, that would be awesome. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we're way down the road. I'm just waiting to see. I mean, I'd love to put Ash and Moon out in summer. Gary Beers hasn't been back in Australia in 10 to 15 years mm. with Toby Rand singing. I mean, that, that album is unbelievable and it's taking off overseas. But the quality of musicianship in that album is incredible. When they come here, the NXS fans will listen to it and go, this is what NXS should have been doing today, yeah. but even better. Well, well J- uh, Jimmy is a phenomenal guitarist. and I, I had a chat to him as well uh, at the same time I was talking to Gary. Yeah. You've got you've got musicians like that that are in their middle age, but that's the point. They've still got so much more to give. Absolutely. I mean, Gary is the nicest guy and working with those guys, it's been really cool because you're creating something there. Like Ash and Moon was at ground zero. There was zero streams, zero coverage. What we're good at is telling the narrative, but telling the narrative over a certain period of time um, and building something up. And we did that really well with them, and it's growing. And that's with no touring. They're starting to do a few shows now, but, you know, effectively in 2020 there was no touring. So, But to be able to work with people like them, fucking Gary's Gary's worked for 25 years with one of the greatest front men of all time. And 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 um, he's been on Wem- it, at Wembley in front of 100,000 people, and then he's just there with me talking on a Zoom. I mean, that doesn't get lost on me, being a music fan. That doesn't get lost on me, I'll tell you right now. That's sometimes I get off and I go, wow, that was super cool. So I still really enjoy that side yep. of things and I feel very privileged and honoured to, um, to to be in that position. Even, you know, talking to Nick Barker. I love Nick. I was listening to Nick in the 90s. And, you know, now we just put out an incredible single of his to, you know, to, you know, I can give you a thousand examples and I won't bore you, but I'm still a music fan down, you know, at, at heart. I still feel awesome to have... Uh, yeah, like Guns Boys signed that nice. for me. Um, so uh, you know, underneath Led Zeppelin. So, so I, I, I'm still, I still love that side of it, and I don't ever want to lose that. I don't want it ever to become a nine to five job where I just clock on and clock off. Like I really love what I do, and I think that makes a big difference. I know, I know exactly what you're saying because I remember talking to Gary. I said, you know, you, and I, I worked it out. He is the most listened to Australian bass player of all time. Hundred percent. He hadn't had anybody 100%. give him that factoid though. But to talk to somebody, uh, he and Bob Daisley, uh, guys like that, I've spoken to Bob. When you talk to guys like that, the humility—it's—it's it's that. Just going back to the tall poppy thing, some of the smaller bands that haven't got any runs on the board yet, you get far more arrogance and the vibe from them. It's but this is—it's the same the world over. I get that the 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 guys that have done it, been there, the guys and girls that have been down there and done it. Max Cavalera, whoever it might be, Dino from Fear Factory, humble to a fault even, I'd say. But, but you know what it is, mate? You know what it is? When you're, when you're the truest essence of an entrepreneur, um, you're, you can be, or some people think you can be um, soci- sociopathic where nothing worries you and you don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. That's not actually true. You obviously have feelings. But I've got to say to you, when you're, when you're, you're fueled by two things, I am anyway. I'm certainly fueled by the success and watching the success. And again, I don't equate it to money. I I I I, um, I equate it to the success for the artist or the success for the label. Um, money is obviously a byproduct. Um, and then secondly, I'm so I'm fueled by that success, but I'm also fueled by certain people's negativity and the haters because mm. it's like, no worries, man, I'll show you. No problem. You, you, you keep saying all you're saying, all you're doing is spurring me on. And so that, that's, that they're actually doing me a favour. That's the way I look at it personally. They're actually helping me succeed because the more negative bullshit they are and they're twisted up in their own lives, they're actually helping me to succeed. And I think the truest essence of an entrepreneur is being able to conquer anything that comes your way, that you can, you can sleep well at night and you just get up in the morning and dust yourself off and fucking get on with it again and i've always been like that and i think if you can use those two points the success of things and you can um put yourself in a position where anything that's negative fuels you mate i I just don't think you can lose yeah you've got to have a strong constitution though i think a lot of people have sensitive, absolutely you know yeah yeah, absolutely comes with age how old are you 43 (laughs) yeah so you're not far behind me man i'm 53 on monday on friday so, you know, you're, you're a, what are you, Pfizer and I'm AstraZeneca. So, you know, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, 
Um, nice metaphor. Know, it, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's just about commitment. And I think yeah. when it comes down to it, I can say all those different things and I can write a book on it, mate, and I can speak as much as I want. It comes down to one thing, and that's just believing in yourself. And you believe in yourself and you know you could do it. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, I've created a record label from a statue, right, and look where it is today. So, you know, anything's possible. you just got to believe in yourself that you can get the job done. What's the strangest episode in your life that you can share? Oh, mate. <laughs> There's so many, there's so many weird, and wonderful things that have that have happened. Um, you know, there's been a couple of exes write books. There's I've been married, um, well, three times, but sort of four times. Um, yeah. um, look, I think I don't think anything's been strange. I think everything's just been part of the experience. I've dealt with some interesting characters along the way and interesting people along the way. Um, I don't. There's there's probably several, but nothing I would potentially share on here now. <laughs> um, not that there was anything wrong with it, but it's probably not the right forum for it. Um, but I, I think with me, you know, the, the best experiences of my life have no doubt been um, obviously behind you know, your children being born. Sure, yeah. Um, behind your kids being born and, and watching them now grow into incredible adults is... Um, for me, the best experience is just I've tried to learn to just be. And, you know, I used to think when I was younger, they were talking about the young rich list, you know, uh, when I in my 30s, you'd get up and you'd wait at the newsagent every August or September to get there at four in the morning to check your name in the list. I mean, fucking just woeful. I can't believe I was like that. And it wasn't that I was a bad person, just you got carried away with it. And you're in your 30s and you're making a couple of bucks. I mean, what the fuck do you know? But when you get a bit older, I think my best experiences, what was the word you used? Did you say the most colourful experience? Or strangest. Yeah, the strange. Yeah. I think that things become less strange because you're chasing a new normal because you just want to be normal. You want, I mean, you want to be, people that know me know I like, um, you know, outrageous cars, so to speak. So whether it's a loud Trans Am or, 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 a, or a car that's wrapped in bright, bright green, um, <laughs> You know, I like that kind of thing, but I'm just really chasing normality more than anything and the freedom to be normal. And, you know, the more successful, the bigger you build something, the more you're sort of strapped to that. Um, you know, you used to think, especially in the pub boy days, I thought, well, the bigger I make this, the more I can get out and ride your, your Indian or your Harley and mm. get out. But the bigger it got, the less chance I had to do that. And that with this company, I'm trying to make sure that I've got the balance to be as normal as possible and then to be as um, uh, outrageous as possible during some, some some days when I need to be. I mean, I've always been quite eccentric, so me being normal is, a, is and it's becoming worse as I'm getting older, <laughs> but, but me being eccentric is something I've got to live with. So I've, I've, I've then got to balance that with being normal. But nothing's really strange. I mean, I've, 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 look, I've had strange things happen um, throughout my whole life, but let's dedicate a full episode one day to my top 10 strange things. I'd love that. That'd be killer. I mean, you've been there and done it. God knows. I mean, you could almost do that on the Iron Duke alone. Oh, totally. I mean, I remember you talking about the Iron Duke and the Deftones. Yeah. I remember there's, there's people walking around Sydney because I put in Drum Magazine. It's funny you say that because I was just thinking of Drum and all those magazines were out. Yeah. And I, I, you said if you get a Deftones and Iron Duke tattoo on that night, you get in for free. And people were getting them. So there's these silly people running around Sydney oh 20 God. years later or 30 yeah. years later with Deftones and Iron Duke tattoos. Just, so, yeah, there's definitely, I've definitely seen, uh, I've definitely seen and, and been part of some sort of strange things. But, mate, it's all relative to the, you know, people say to me, you know, what's the strangest thing about you? And I say, you know what? I've never done a drug in my life. Nothing. I had a smoke of a joint when I was 15 and I didn't like it. I've never touched anything, anything. And people go, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. How, with being in the pub game, the music game, being in LA, I've never touched anything. So that to some people is completely strange, but to me it's completely normal. I can believe it. You know, I can believe it because I think that it's a bit like Icarus flying too close to the sun in that industry and you just figured out that that was, that was the best thing to do was stay well away from it. 
Well, to me, I, don't, I just like to be in control, so it yeah, scares me. I'm, I'm the same way, actually. I know exactly what you're saying, especially we've both got kids. Yeah. People without that that absolute ultimate responsibility, which I do think child rearing is all about, absolutely will never understand that that a switch has flicked in most people. I know there's some psychopaths out there that do horrible things to their kids and neglect kids and walk away from their kids and stuff. But for people like us, that's our ultimate responsibility. So being in control is the number one mission, isn't it? Doesn't mean you can't go out on a Friday night and have a couple of cocktails. I like to do that. But ultimately, yeah, it's never, it's never, yeah. it's never appealed. Never prolonged, never. though, if you know what I'm saying. Getting having a hangover is one thing, but the prolonged, yeah. you know, issues that result from alcoholism or excessive drug use—that's something else. And I'm, oh, yeah. I'm pro, pro personal choice, by the way. People out there can go and do whatever the hell they want, but, yeah. to, but that's the point. I don't want to do that. No doubt, it's, it's obviously the same thing for you. But I, I'm curious. I, I would just to hark back on the loyalty thing again. Because no doubt you've you've met so many people through your travels, you've met a lot of bullshit artists too, no doubt. How quickly at this point in your life do you think you can assess somebody's character to see if they have those loyal characteristics that you're looking for? Well, it's it's the same. I think don't hustle a hustler. I'm one of the greatest hustlers you'll ever meet. I've always been a hustler, um, and you know I can ascertain pretty quickly if I'm getting hustled or someone's bullshitting. Um, you know, a lot of people take the high and mighty road and they're, you know, the biggest bullshit artists of all time. But, you know, like, I reckon I've got a huge radar for bullshit. But, mate, we did a deal in the early days in Los Angeles where um, someone came to us and said they represented Puddle of Mud and mm. um, here's a four-album deal. And we did the deal, I'm telling you, with lawyers and with everything, and they didn't represent them at all. And we paid over quite a bit of money and they didn't represent them. So that turned to shit. So I got absolutely, I mean, it was quite a few years ago and it was, I was quite green in the early days then. But, mate, I, I had, I actually became friends with Wes afterwards because he, because he's mad at the, the, his lawyer called and said, Who the fuck are you guys? You just announced the Golden Records mm. has signed Puddle of Mud and the band didn't even know about it. Jeez, yeah. So, mate, there was this some fucking, mate, LA. Is another level of fucking hustling bullshit, yeah. like another level. The lawyer was in on it, but it would have cost me double to get my money back. So you know, you just you just leave, leave yeah, it. Put it down you to hope it saves you. Yeah, you hope it saves you a million dollars down the track because you'll you'll next time you'll look for the contract between that person and the band where it was that contract was with us. You want to see the contract with them and the band, and I learned early on about that. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I'd say that I've got a pretty good radar for it now, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't come across too many people that are, um, I come across more arrogant people. Mm. Yeah. God. Yeah. I was talking to a guy today. I won't say what industry or anything, but he was quite arrogant. Um, and he's in his thirties. And I thought, you know, you don't think, you don't think your shit smells, but you know, you should open your eyes a little bit because other things will come up and bite you in the ass because you're just so stuck in your ways. And I think that's important too is, as I said before, you've got to be able to pivot as whoever you are. You've got to be able to pivot and move and, and roll with it and that's how you can survive and, and um, you know, and enjoy what you do. I mean, I don't give a fuck if I got my wife and the kids and go and live in a fucking tent in the middle of nowhere. I don't care. I don't need any trappings or anything. I really don't care. I've, I've had a nice life. I really don't care. So I'm not driven by that. I'm driven by the creative part of things and doing something that's 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 different that can ultimately leave a legacy of a golden robot. If you could sign any artist or any of the bands that are out there at the moment that are, and that they aren't on Golden Robot, who would you choose? Um, it's a really good question, and I've done heaps of interviews. No one's ever asked me that. Who would I sign? Who do I really like? Okay, tell you who I'd love to sign: John Cougar Mellencamp. Wow, yeah. I really like John Mellencamp. I love him. Um, I would love to sign. Um, I'd love to do a solo project with Bono. Oh God, could you? I, I don't. <laughs> Bono. I'd love, I, I, Bono. Yeah. Can you imagine Bono out of you too? So solo project with Bono would be great. I'd love to sign Motley Crue. Um, there's no young band. Oh look, I, I was. I like people like and hate Greta Van Fleet. I like them because they remind me of Led Zeppelin. Yep. My son won't even talk to me about Greta Van Fleet. He's too cool for that. But the new album I think is fantastic. 
because it's exactly what I like to listen to. It doesn't mean it's what I sign, but I, I like to listen to it. Um, but there is some great bands out there um, coming through that I really do like that I've been close to signing that I haven't signed. I won't say who, but but I reckon old school, Mellencamp, Motley Crue, um, Bono. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, there's no one out there that, um, I'll tell you who I'd love to sign. All right, I'll give you one. <laughs> Izzy Stradlin. Oh, the ultimate as well. Yeah. Izzy Stradlin. He's like Eleanor from Guy in 60 Seconds, though. 100%. That's true. I'm good mates with um, Doug Goldstein, it's uh, Guns N' Roses manager. Hmm. Uh, but you, to get to, to get to um, Easy, you got to get through um, Alan Niven. Oh wow! And that's a whole wow. whole different bitch again. Shit. So yeah, you got to get through to Alan, but um, Easy would be fantastic. And and yeah, Easy would Easy would be really great because he's cool enough. He's out of it. I think if you if you you know, it'd be great to do an album with Slash, but Slash. Um, you know, and 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 um, the other guys in the band. Would, I mean, we did with Dizzy for that, which is, which is absolutely fine. But I think that um, uh, they would be so set in their ways to do things, and they'd be so um, even in, in the limelight for so long that they've been in the limelight for so long, especially out the front there, Duff and Slash. That it, I don't know how creative the whole process would be, um, but someone like. Um, Izzy would be just cool because he's been out of it. I mean, anyone that was involved in Appetite has never had to work again. Yes. But he, so he'd have the money. He wouldn't have to worry about anything, but it'd just be a, a full creative. He's just doing it because he wants to do it. And that would be fucking super cool. I remember that Juju Hounds album coming out. It was fucking super cool. Yeah. 1992 or 1993, wasn't it? Killer album. Like yeah. And when I get off this, I'll think of a thousand people, and we can we can we should do this every few months and do an update of what we're up to and talk about it and um, sure. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But um, I reckon most of the new bands that I've wanted to sign, I've got. Um, uh, I remember at one point we we're after the chats, but that never happened. Um, we've never we're not sort of seen as a um, uh, like a Queen Brisbane cool label. And, you know, and I'm cool with that. Like, we're a big rock sort of label, and I'm cool with the way we're labeled. It doesn't worry You're me. not down with um, the crew from West End, in other words. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, totally. I'd like to tell you I love, I'd like to sign, and I know the boys, but yeah. I'd like to sign you and I. You know, bands like that that were were the cornerstone of what. Yeah. What, uh, I think you know, you'll get them about. eventually, actually. I just can't see anybody else who's got the clout to do for them what needs to happen apart from yourself. Well, well, this is the thing. I think outside of a major, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Mushroom now with Michael gone. Yeah, um, yeah, that's going to be know, my what... final point. Actually, there you go. You just brought him up. Yeah, I mean, but that is a huge void, isn't it? Well, look, I met Michael a couple of times, and you know what Michael did in the seventies, eighties, and nineties was you know you, you can't compare. It's unbelievable. He's, he's absolutely um, uh, a revolutionary figure, and what he did in Australia was unbelievable. But you know, it's there is a new guard. And, um, you know, these guys, the Chuggy and him, et cetera, and they're all writing books about themselves and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, obviously, he, he passed away way too early. He should have been here for another 20, 30 years and would have done some incredible things. But, you know, that's changed now. And his son is not him. And um, he will run it the way he wants to run it. Um, and that's, that's life. He's not going to run it the way um, his dad run it because he's not his dad. He's going to run it the way he wants to run it. So it's going to be his vision and et cetera. And, and, it will be his baby. And so it'll be different to the way that it was. And it'll, it'll look, Mushroom will always be Mushroom. There's no issues there. It'll always be a powerhouse. But, you know, without Michael there at the helm, it'll have, I suppose, different visions. It's like James getting out of um, Crown, you know? It's going to have a different vision. It's going to be the same company, but it's going to be different visions and different people running things. That's just the way that it is. It's going to be brand new. So, you know, I think there's a new guard um, coming through. Um, even with um, Michael's son, that's a new guard, younger guard coming through. Yeah. I don't consider myself to be old. I mean, 53 is 50 is a new 40, but um, which means you're in your 30s. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, there is a new guard coming through um, that are really trend-setting and tastemakers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, I look at that. Um, that top 50 list in Australia every year, you know, that 
most influential people in yep. Australian music, and you just pray that you're not on it because it's just <laughs> I just look at it and I go, oh no, I mean, you know, there's people on there that have brought one two acts out to Australia and they end up on that on that. I don't understand what that list is all about. Well, they must pay um, to be on it. That's all I can think because I know the list you're talking about. I mean, they've got guys that are in 19 and 20 and stuff on there that oh, have done, done nothing. We're putting in serious money and serious blood and serious tears into these businesses mm. and doing something that's real and tangible. And, and yes, I haven't stood up here to be noticed as much as I could have in Australia because I'm not working in Australia as much. Um, and I don't need to. I don't know. That's not what drives me these days. Yes, in the old days, 100%, but not these days. So it doesn't matter to me. But I think at the end of the day, if you can wake up every morning with everything we've discussed, if you can wake up every morning and come to your desk and just, you're just really excited to get into it, it's the best thing in the world. You've achieved a lot, but surely there's more. So tell me your greatest goal or aspiration. Good question. Um, I just want to keep growing this label um, and I just want to see it get to be a... Uh, you know, an, indep an independent major, so to speak. Uh, I really think that we've got the goods to do that. So I just want to keep pushing it over the next 18 months to two years and see where we land up. I really want to see that jet with the golden robot logo on the, on the tail. <laughs> with you, with your head sticking out of the porthole. <laughs> nice. No, man, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing and, you know, sign bigger bands, keep moving forward, you know. One day, you know, it's the home of you too. You know, who knows? Yeah. It just that that that's where I want it to end up. But, uh, man, it was really good to talk to you. I really appreciate your support. I think what you're doing is fantastic and anytime you need anything from me or the company or the artist, you know, all you have to do is ask. I, I truly appreciate that. Like we've spoken about the spirit of the uh, reciprocity and the brotherhood and the sisterhood of rock and roll and heavy metal at play there. Thanks so much for the conversation, Mark. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it, buddy. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Mark Alexander Erber, the president and founder of Golden Robot Global Entertainment Group. Thank you so much for tuning in.